Hey everybody, this is Jim, and welcome to today's Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Today is the 12th of January, it's 2016, and um, I just want to go over um, a topic. The, the best way I can describe it right now would be using this phrase, end times burnout. What is end times burnout? Well, if you're the type of person that likes to uh, spend time online and reading the headlines, going to a lot of um, Christian end time prophecy style sites, you've noticed um, that over the past year, actually, um, this was very popular in the year 2000, and then again uh, in 2012, it really started up again. But people predicting that um, you know Jesus will be returning within the next um, 12 months or two years or five years, and uh, you know, of course, this is nothing new. If you look through history, such predictions were made, um, especially during the uh, turn of the century in the year 1000 AD. Uh, a lot of uh, people in the church at that time, if you read the history books, were anticipating the return of, of Jesus. So uh, the thing is, I think that as a human being, the thought of being alive here on this earth and being caught up together uh, with Jesus in the uh, air and being reunited with loved ones who've gone on beforehand and actually seeing what that heavenly world that the Bible shows us uh, glimpses of, what it would really be like. Um, I know during the past few years, uh, life after death books, like I've seen heaven or heaven is a real place and shows like that are very popular. And, and let's face it. I mean, as a human being, nobody wants to grow old and die. And the thought of, especially if your life is difficult at this point in time, that you're only going to have to hang on for like another year or two. And then the end will come and you'll be with the Lord forever. I mean, that's a, uh, a, a lot more attractive than to think about a lot more, um, uplifting and hopeful on the inside, thinking about, wow, I'm going to be with the Lord, not have to face physical death, then thinking that you know, you're going to be here for another 20, 30, 50 years or more, and potentially, and have to go through all the tests and trials. and Because let's face it, life on earth, it says through, through much tribulation, we enter the kingdom of heaven. So you see the very first time in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, I'm reading from the American King James Version, it says, uh, this is the very first time when they really asked the question, is, is it time now? So it says, when they, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, that's, they asked of Jesus, the disciples, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom of to Israel. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. So there's two things that he said it's not for you to know. The first is the times and or the seasons. But but if we look back in the book of Matthew, there are um, signs of what it will be like in the end that Jesus gives. 
And then again, if we look in the book of Revelation, again, there are signs. And then Paul describes some in the book of Thessalonians about, uh, and in uh, the, actually, Thessalonians, Timothy, um, there's always um, shadows and glimpses of what we see it'll be like in the times. But Jesus actually said that one of the very last things he said was, um, before he went up into heaven, is it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. So there's a, a difference between seeing things that point to that we know that the time is getting closer and knowing the actual time or the season. So if you think about that word, I mean, we can we can break down what the original words mean, and, and people do that, and they get really into this different thing. But um, everybody who's ever made a public prediction has been wrong, of course, uh, up until this point in time. And you would think that if people keep on making predictions going forward, sooner or later somebody would have to be right, right? I mean, sooner or later somebody would. But the burnout happens is when you anticipate something happening and you think you know the time and you think you know the season and it just doesn't happen that way. In other words, you think that let's look at something that that we all can identify with. Um, you think something good is going to happen. Maybe it's going to happen in the form of a phone call that you're waiting for or a letter that you it's supposed to come in the mail or an announcement that you were told was going to be made, maybe where you work or whatever. And it's a positive thing. You know it's going to affect you positively. And you anticipate that it's going to come this month. And then this month doesn't happen. And then you anticipate it's going to come next month. And then it doesn't happen. So then what do you do? You go and you contact the people that originally made the statement. And they don't want to talk about it. And you wonder... Well, why did you even mention it to begin with, right? Um, I remember as a, a business owner going through several times where people would contact me and they would say, um, you know, I want to purchase this product and service. And they would talk to me about it in, in detail. And then um, they would say, let's say that we want to get started next week. So then next week would come. And nothing would happen. You know, I wouldn't hear back from them. So maybe, you know, you call them, contact them and say, hey, I'm just following up. You said you wanted to get started this week. And then for whatever reason, they said, well, we're not able to do it right now, but we're going to we're going to do it shortly, maybe next week. Or we're going to have to put it off for next till next month. It keeps getting put off and off and off. At the end of the day, what happens? You just get burned out with the whole thing, you know, and you just forget about it. You just say, you know what? I can't keep waiting for this um, event to happen. I can't keep waiting on these people to call me, make the announcement, or or give me whatever they promised they were going to give, right? So you just forget about that and you move on to something else. So, you know, when they asked Jesus this question, obviously they were anticipating a positive response. They came together, it says. When they were come together, they asked of him. That means everybody wanted to know the answer to this question. didn't say that one person asked him. I mean, they all were together and they all asked, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? So 
what is the ultimate restoration that they were looking for since the kingdom of Israel fell and, and came under rule of foreign powers? Well, ultimately, if you go all the way back to the, the book of beginnings and start reading forward again, you come to the realization that Abraham wasn't even looking for a city or a land uh, that was earthly. He was looking for a heavenly kingdom that was to come. A, a, a city not built, the Bible says, with human hands. And all these prophets of old that talked about the, the coming of Jesus, um, everybody was waiting for this time to come. And they thought that when Jesus came the first time that all of these things were going to come to pass. They didn't realize that they were entering into a new era until you know it had already happened. That is the age of grace that we live in where by grace you're saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's God's gift of, of forgiveness, right? So people come into the kingdom of God by putting their faith, the Bible says, in Jesus. Just Jesus didn't say, I, I've come to show you the, the way. He actually said, I am the way. He didn't come to point to a door that you'd have to walk through. He says, I am the door. I am the resurrection. Everything that was written of old was written about me. The scriptures testify about me. That's what Jesus said. So after he was risen from the dead, I mean, what a victory. No wonder they would say, you know, is will you? are you going to do it now? So his answer to that again is, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. So we know our time is short for a few reasons. Number one, we know that life is brief. Even if you live to be 100 years old, it looks like a long path when you start out at the beginning. But think about your life up to this point in time and look back to see where you've come from. The year is 2016 already. That alone I find incredible. And as I look back over my own life, I can see that, wow, it's just been a blur. Now I think about it. I mean, I look at myself where I am today on the 12th of 2016, and I'm thinking, Wow, I mean, I could see another 20, 30 years will pass by quickly. And you talk to older people, and they will tell you that the older you get, it almost seems like the time just passes by. I remember as a young person in school, as a high school student, or even before that, every school year seemed to just drag on and on and on. And the same thing with um, wanting to graduate from high school. I mean, that first year just dragged and it dragged. And finally, you know, you hit your last year. And then, uh, you know, I went on to college. Maybe some people went on to work. but and, and then suddenly everything just started speeding up. You know, after I think it was the age of 21, it was suddenly then 22 and then 25. And the next thing you know, you're 30 and then you're midway through your 30s and, and so on. And it just keeps going and going and going like that. So um, if you go online and not, right now, all I did was read from the Bible. If all you ever knew was Acts chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, then you would have um, everything that you would need to make an educated decision that I'm not going to pursue trying to figure out the exact time and season that Jesus is coming back or that the rapture is supposed to take place. And there's no sense in reading books on what somebody just discovered or any of those things because Jesus himself 
And when Jesus was speaking, you know, God the Father is speaking. He said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. The angels don't know it. Um, this, it says that Satan knows that his time is short in the book of Revelation when he gets cast down to earth. But you can go online and especially you'll notice on YouTube that there are uh, videos that talk about the Antichrist. And I remember hearing people back in the um, 80s talk who were older then and they had been alive during that World War um, two period, and they were saying that back then everybody thought the Antichrist was Adolf Hitler and that Benito Mussolini. And I mean, if you ever go back and you look at videos, there are some documentaries that show everything that pre-war that led up to the world, not just the war itself, but everything that led up to it, all the signs of the times. And you could see then at that point in time why people might believe that somebody like Hitler could be the Antichrist. Or somebody like Benito Mussolini, maybe this was the false prophet. Okay, but you see the same thing today. I've heard everything from, uh, and it's continued ever since. Um, the 1970s, how Lindsay wrote the books about the countdowns to Armageddon in the 80s, and, and the, the, that was the end times then. And again in the 90s, and again in 2000, all these people keep coming out with books, and it's always going to be, within a year or two or this year or something like that. And then when the prophecies fail, then they come back with an adjustment and it just goes on and on and on. And people just get on these um, um, trains, so to speak. And at the end of the line, what do you have? You have uh, disillusionment and disappointment and wondering that um, what else, what else is going to happen? I mean, how, how long can this go on? So people burn out. So I've heard everything from um, the Catholic Church and different popes were going to be the last pope to, you know, Obama is the Antichrist. I've heard different country leaders pointed to. Some people say that, you know, this is the um, uh, America is the last Babylon. I've heard it say that the world system is the last Babylon. I've heard so. In other words, there's so much confusion about this. Um, if you also, uh, depending on who you're listening to, some focus on Antichrist, some focus on country leaders, some focus on um, the financial collapse. Other people are focusing on government corruption, and still yet others are focusing on martial law and FEMA camps and things of that nature. But you know, the Bible doesn't say that we should be focusing on any of these things. Right. So if anything is going to distract you from your problems and if you really want to escape the negative, you're going to have to do it in God's word, not through the news of the day. Right. So um, according to the Bible, if you read in the book of Philippians, chapter four, verses six, three, and keep in mind the people then were no different than the people now. Right? The people then were discouraged that maybe they were never going to see their loved ones who died in Christ before them. There were teachings about that, false teachers about teaching about that at the time. There were people that were afraid that they were going to be left behind, that they wouldn't get caught up in the clouds to meet Jesus. In the book of First and Thessalonians, you can read about that. Um, but the, listen to it, and, and Paul assured them that, hey, you haven't been appointed to wrath. And there's arguments about what does that mean? But 
forget about all that for a minute and listen to what it says in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. It says, Be careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Why would you add thanksgiving to your prayers and your supplications? Well, the only reason why you would be thankful after you made a prayer and supplication is if that prayer and supplication was granted to you, right? I mean, if God says no, then how could you add thanksgiving with that prayer and supplication? So it says, be anxious for nothing or careful for nothing, it says in the American King James. What could you be anxious for? Well, maybe you're anxious that uh, you know, you're not going to have enough money or you're going to lose your job or you're not going to have adequate transportation or you're going to get laid off. I mean, there's just all of the things that people worry about and focus on today. Be anxious for none of those things. But in everything, that means every situation, whether something's happening under your very roof right now, whether it's a health problem, whether it's money problems, um, whether you're being tormented in some area, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So if you need God's help in an area, let that request be made. If you need financial assistance or you don't have adequate employment or whatever the situation is, or you're being oppressed in your mind, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. Finally, brethren. So he says, don't just pray and make your requests with thanksgiving and then stop there. He says, finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and any praise, think on these things. So that would absolutely positively rule out the news because there's nothing true, honest, uh, pure, lovely, and of good report in the news, right? That would automatically rule out politics because there's nothing honest, pure, lovely. In other words, all of the things that are captivating a lot of uh, Christians' attention today, Antichrist, financial collapse, government corruption, martial law, all of these things, we're not supposed to dwell on any of these things. And notice the Bible, Jesus never encouraged people to put their head in the sand, but he encouraged them to put their focus on him. He encouraged them to have faith in God and to believe in God and to believe in him, he said. He encouraged people to resist the devil. He encouraged people to use their faith and to have hope. He didn't steal any of those things. He didn't take people's peace. He gave them peace. Actually, Jesus, the Bible says Jesus is our peace. Now, um, here, uh, this, the second thing. So number one is all of the things that uplift you in the word of God, think about those things. You know, sometimes um, if you listen to some people, you would think that the book of Revelation is the only uh, book in the Bible. But there's a lot of positive messages in the book of Revelation too. For example, the whole book shows that eventually all evil is put under, we actually see it, finally put under the feet of Jesus. Everything 
is wiped out. There is a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness reign. And if you believe that that's just a figure of speech, then that's fine too. But hey, look at it this way. There's no way that you can come to any other conclusion no matter what your your viewpoint is of the book of Revelation and of the end times, is that when all is said and done, every tear is wiped away and you're with the Lord forever. So that if there's anything that's of good report, you would have to think that that would definitely be it. So uh, I'm going to read from the contemporary English version, John chapter 5, verses 38 through 40. It says there, you have not believed his message because you refuse to have faith in the one he sent. You set, you search the scriptures because you think you will find eternal life in them. The scriptures tell about me, but you refuse to come to me for eternal life. So in plain English, what he's saying there is that um, it was talking about when John came, John the Baptist talking about Jesus is coming. It said, you have not believed his message because you refuse to have faith in the one. So it's not faith about Jesus. It's actually faith in him for yourself that he's talking about. And then Jesus says, you search the scriptures because you think you will find eternal life in them. But the scriptures tell about me and you refuse to come to me for eternal life. So he's telling the people at that time that the scriptures are pointing to me and I'm here now. Right? So the person of Jesus is the focal point of what we call the New Testament. It's a new and a better covenant, the Bible says, established upon better promises. Uh, salvation isn't of faith that any person should boast. It's not, our salvation isn't of works, that is, that any person should boast. So if salvation doesn't come from works, if favor with God doesn't come through words, it comes through faith in who? It comes through faith in Jesus. So as we're looking at where we are in life and where we are in the time, I want to put my faith in the person of Jesus. What does that mean? I want to believe, I want to focus on, if I'm sinking in the sand and I uh, lift up my hand, I'm lifting it up looking for that person that we know as Jesus, the Son of God, who knows me, and every detail about my life, knows every thought I've ever thought, and I know him, that he's going to reach out and catch my hand and pull me up. That's what it means to have faith in God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when Jesus is reaching out to me, I believe that God's inside of him also reaching out to me. I believe the Holy Spirit's inside of all of them, because those three, the Bible says, are one, reaching out to me to help me, not just in the life to come when we leave this earth, when our physical life ends, but forever in heaven that I will know him face to face, eye to eye, and I will know every detail about him as he knows every detail about me. It actually says in the Bible that now we see through a glass darkly in uh, 1 Corinthians, but then we will see face to face and we will know even as we are known. Think about that. To know God as well as he knows you now, you'll know him then. Um, so let's go on just a little bit further. Um, so I'm looking for things that create hope, not take hope away, because that's what the purpose of the Bible is. It says that the scriptures were written that you might have hope. 
and our faith is in Jesus because the scriptures were written to point to him. So 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, it says, As I sought you to abide still at Ephesus when I went to Macedonia, that you might charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, out of good conscience and faith unfeigned, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside to vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say, neither whereof they affirm. So let's put this in, in simple English. Number one, he says, don't, don't teach other teachings. Don't come out with strange teachings. Nor give heed. Don't listen to fables and endless geneal uh, genealogies, which minister questions. So the idea here here is that um, some of the people were going back and they were saying, you know, is Jesus really of the line of Joseph? Because there's this person that was here, and this person doesn't fit in quite properly here on Joseph's side, and this person never really existed here on Mary's side. So technically, that breaks the chain. So he couldn't be the Messiah. So all of these questions come up, which can't be answered, right? All of these things that, that all they do is create questions and doubts about uh, your faith, right? I mean, there's things that you just can't understand because you weren't there at the time. I mean, think about your own life and situations. If you try to describe certain situations to people, how tough it would be to get 100% over what was really going on at the time because the people that you would be leaving that information to, they weren't there, right? I mean, I remember what life was like during certain periods of time, during certain years, and what it was like. Uh, to feel certain things and how difficult it would be to explain that to somebody who actually wasn't there at the time. So the people that are hearing these teachings in the New Testament, they weren't there when Moses parted the Red Sea. They weren't there when God uh, walked with Adam in the cool of the day. They weren't there when the giants were in the earth before the flood. They weren't there during the flood. They weren't there for all of the... Uh, kings that reigned in the uh, northern and southern kingdoms um, so of Israel. So the, the point is, right, the point is, is that um, people create fables. Those are false stories and these endless arguments that aren't edifying or uplifting anybody. And that's the point here. And we see the same thing happening today. And we see it happening even with the book of Revelation, right? Where people have these questions after questions after questions and secret books and ancient documents. Does it really mean this? I mean, there's one verse, like, for example, um, people say that in the end times, it'll be like it was in the days of Noah. And certain people said, well, there were giants in the days of Noah. And so there will be giants again coming in the last Times And then they'll point to stories that they heard on the internet about super soldiers being created or giants that were found or their DNA being harvested. And the next thing you know, 
that all we have is questions. Nobody's being uplifted by any of this information. Nobody's faith is being encouraged, according to First uh, Timothy chapter one verse four. The very thing that we're supposed to be doing is uplifting each other's faith, not going giving heed to endless fables. Again, with that giant question, the same people that say that it will be like it was in the days of Noah. Also, in another verse, it says it will be like it was in the days of Lot, right? So were there giants in the days of Lot? No, there weren't any giants. But what is the point? The point is, is that when the judgment came, it came swiftly out of nowhere, caught everyone by surprise at the time. The people of God, they knew and they had a sense that it was coming, but they didn't know the time or the hour either, did they? They just knew that. In the future, I'm talking about the time and the hour that um, that the ultimate end would come and all of these things, because they even saw these things afar off. They saw that the day of Jesus would come. They saw that there would be a final judgment in which the righteous and the unrighteous would be separated. They saw that there would be a, a new heavens and the earth, but they had no idea then either when that time would be. So... Um, now the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. The end of the commandment is charity. That word, um, is really translated, uh, love in most other translations, not charity, but charity is, is a good word because charity actually describes love in action, right? Like you have a charitable foundation. They do charitable things. And that makes sense. That's what that's what love is. If you say, you know, we have a love foundation or a love, you know, no, nobody knows what that means because the love is is uh, used in so many different ways. But charity is a is a great way because it shows love in action, right? It shows it shows faith in action. So it says in verse six that some have swerved and have turned aside to vain janglings, desiring to be teachers of the law. That's what we see. We see all these teachers, end time teachers coming out of nowhere. And they're talking about judgments like Shemitahs. And they're talking about these different charts and what year it really is. And the again, the signs of the times. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being aware of the signs of the times. What I'm talking about and the whole discussion is based around the end times burnout that you see happening is so many people. Because we are living in a tough time in which there's plenty of challenges on every front. And some people have put 100% of their hope in that they're going to escape all this um, within the next year or two. They're, they're not going to have to hold out any further. Uh, some authors have even gone on TV and said there's no way humanly possible that we'll still be here by 2023 or 2024, something like that. So, again, I just want to encourage you that, hey, if – you're, you're caught up in that. Shake yourself out of it. Get back to praying and believing and uplifting other people. Let yourself be uplifted yourself. Focus on the things that the Bible say that are a good report. Focus on the things that create and give hope, not the things that take hope away. Focus on the person of Jesus because he is your savior. He is your salvation. He is your healer. He is your deliverer. He's all those things that the Bible says he is. But you'll never be strong in faith as long as you're focusing on things like government corruption and financial collapse and martial law and all of these other things. So I hope that encourages you. Thank you for listening 
God bless you. Have a great day. And if you haven't registered at the main website, faithtestedbyfire.com, I encourage you to go there, sign up for the mailing list, and we'll send you more encouraging, uplifting information, God willing, in the weeks and months ahead. Thanks again. This is Jim. Take care.